Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Okay, so good to be back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to be back. So, um, we, for those of you that don't know, some of you might be just be back because <laughs> I think some of you might have not been here for 10 weeks also. Um, but uh, we were on a sabbatical um, and we got to spend time uh, just writing and, and, and listening to God and uh, focusing and asking God for direction for us and for the church and His plans and His purposes for us for, for the future where He wants us to be and, and the direction that He wants the church to go and, and things like that. And, and I really felt that God gave us some, some great direction um, and we'll be revealing more as the weeks um, come. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles with you, to the book of Acts chapter 2, uh, second chapter of the book of Acts. Now, um, for many years, I think you've probably heard a lot of messages uh, regarding this specific chapter, and the title for us for the next few weeks, uh, that for us as a church, for direction and for vision for this year, um, I feel that the words that God gave me are the words, greater impact. He wants us to have a greater impact. It's, it's like calling, calling us out to say, hey, you can do more. You can do better. And I really believe that. And that's the call that I'm placing on our church is that we can do more. We can do better. Uh, greater impact, greater costs, greater involvement, greater responsibility. There was a Navy ship um, that was sailing and they were passing by an uncharted island. And as they look at the island they saw there were three huts built on the island. So the Navy ship stopped to perform a rescue mission. And what they discovered was, for, by the surprise, is that there were only one man on the island who came up to the captain and said, I'm so glad that you stopped. I've been stranded here for five years. And the captain said, are you alone on the island? He said, yes, I'm all alone. He said, but I don't understand. There's three huts. What are the three huts for? He said, well, the first hut... It's pretty easy. It's a hut where I live. It's my home. It's how I stay in. He said, and the second hut? He said, well, the second hut, that's my church. It's a church where I worship. And he said, the third hut? He said, well, that's a church I used to worship at. <laughs> that was way funnier than. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I think every single church is a church that I used to go to. This church is a church that people used to go to, and you have a church in your past that you used to go to also. There are churches all over the place that are churches that we used to go to. There are many third hut churches. Um, and I want you to know there is no such thing as the perfect church. This was kind of my discovery during this time we were away. We visited many churches. Um, there is no such thing as the perfect church. It doesn't exist. Here's a poem by Mavis Williams, and I think it says it best. Uh, are we going to have it up there? Do you, do you have it, Bish? Awesome. Okay, here it is. It says, uh, if you should find the perfect church with one, without one fault or smear, for goodness sake, don't join that church. You'll spoil the atmosphere. <laughs> if you should find the perfect church where all anxiety cease, then pass it by, lest joining it you mar the masterpiece. If you find the perfect church... 
then don't you ever dare to tread upon such a holy ground. You'd be a misfit there. But since there is no perfect church, but since no perfect church exists made of imperfect men, then let's cease looking for that church and love the church we're in. Of course, it's not a perfect church. That's simple to discern. But you and I and all of us could cause that tide to turn. So let's keep working in our church until the resurrection. And then we will each join the church without imperfection. Thank you. I, I wrote that. See, when we think of the early church, when we think of the churches in the Bible, um, especially in the New Testament, the New Testament church, we think, man, that was a perfect church. We think of the, the beginning of the New Testament, right? They were, they were on fire and, and um, uh, it was just perfect. And, and if you think that, I have people often say, we should become like the New Testament church again. Uh, you know, it, it was so amazing then. You should really read the New Testament um, because... Walter, he's a th there's a theologian, um, Walter Elwin, says in the New Testament, there are 150 corrections to the early church, given to the early church. Things that they've done wrong, where correction has to be brought. So never at any stage in church history has the church ever been perfect. It's been awesome. And I think if you were part of that church, it would have been a totally awesome church to be part of. Like Leonardo would say, it's awesome. It would have been amazing to be there. But there were many imperfections. And there are many imperfections. And this church also. We are not perfect as a church. But what makes us think of the early church as being so amazing is something that I think that we can actually have in this church even though we are now 2022, we can be as awesome as the early church. See, what, what causes people to have such a high esteem for the early church is, is because the early church changed lives. It, the early church impacted people. So the key for us to be a greater church with a greater impact is the fact that the church is not me, and it's not Ermory. The church is not supposed to be filled with pumping my blood through the veins of this body. You know, our church is awesome because our pastor has amazing vision. Is vision wrong? No, we should have vision. But a church that is amazing the way it was in the early days that people got excited about, was a church where Jesus Christ, His blood was pumping through every seat that was occupied. Every single person that attended it was filled with the excitement of what Christ did for them. And they couldn't contain it. We can be that church. I really believe that. There's stats for North America um, regarding churches that where the church is at at this point in time. Um, we, we've met with many lead pastors and senior pastors, and, and it's amazing when we speak to all of them, they have this, this pre-COVID and post-COVID number. Do, do you know that 99% of the churches have not recovered the numbers that they had before? 
Uh, they, and they are like up to 80% of what they were before COVID hit the church. So the stat that they took, 2022 in North America, now unfortunately we do not have great uh, stats for Canada, so I'm just going to use the U.S. because I think it's such a great example. So they asked the population of 350 million people, how many of them would attend church or say that they are Christian? In the U.S., 230, between 230 and 250 million people confess to be Christians. That is an astronomical number of the population. That is massive. That's more than two-thirds. But the problem is, out of that 250 million, 22 million of them don't attend church anymore. So they say they're Christian, but they're not going to church. And the, reason they, the reasons they give is because they've had struggles in church. They've had struggles and say that the church, they, they, they usually point to the church's imperfections. Now, I understand that there are people who make mistakes in churches. I, I do not deny that. The church is not made up of perfect people, but we serve a perfect Savior. And we must have grace for each other in it. But here are some of the reasons why those 22 million say they don't attend church anymore. They say that they are unaware where they would fit in. So they feel that they can't find a church that's going to make them feel comfortable with who they are. They have different political views, social views, and cultural opinions than the church. So that's keeping them from being in the church. Um, some are overwhelmed by the church experience. Um, some feel rejected and hurt by going to a certain church. And there are many horror stories of people who have been failed by church leaders. Some say it's the hypocrisy of the people who go there. I can see that. Could be the abuse of clergymen, the people and the leaders, the arrogant leaders in the church. They say it's a cliquish environment, unfriendly group of people. That should never be something that's slapped in our church. They feel taken advantage of, they feel scammed, or they feel hurt. So these are the reasons why 22 million people in 2022 who said they are Christians said they don't want to attend church anymore. But here's the other part of it also. Even though we can point out all these amazing things that the church do wrong, there are also incredible heartwarming stories of everything that the church is doing right. There are so many good stories of how the church has transformed people's lives. How the church has loved and cared for those that the society has rejected. How the church's arms are always open, always ready. The first ones ready to help when there is a crisis. The first ones that's ready to, to, to go and serve. The church has been a place of instruction. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place of edification. It's a place of impact. It's life changing. So our view of the church is an important um, aspect of our lives because it will determine how we're going to communicate to other people the value of our church. I can say for me growing up as a kid, man, I did not like church at all. I was forced to go. Basically, Sunday morning, it's you switch on zombie, like zombie mode, right? You just, uh, right? Yeah, you're walking there, you're going there, you're going through all of it, but it meant nothing. 
But then when I turned 19 years old and I went to a church that wasn't a religious organization and I was introduced to the love of God for the first time, my life changed radically. The church that I attended, now I know it was God in that church, but the church that I attended changed my life completely. It changed everything in my life. There's not a thing that is the same today as it would have been if it was not for the church. It changed the direction, my purpose, my vision, my passions, my heart, my decision-making, my moral values, the way I, I father my children, the husband I am to my wife, the friend I am to people, the care I have for society. It has changed and impacted every single area of my life. The church is not a building. No, it's not. I know that. Uh, we were in Minnesota, and uh, we were at this amazing building. Like, it is a phenomenal building. Uh, the, the building is uh, old. Uh, it's downtown Minnesota. So it was a theater that they knocked out four floors. So the ceiling is four floors high, massive. And then they've got these, these um, when you had in the old days, the theaters where they've got the booths at the top. So... Balcony, thank you very much. Yeah, like balconies. English is such a great language. Um, and, and it's like brick, and it's beautiful, exposed, and they've got these, these chandeliers hanging. And I'm walking through this building, and I set, put a picture on Facebook saying, this is the most beautiful building that I've ever, church building I've ever seen. Now, this church was renting this facility, um, and it's a, it's a wedding venue that they rent on Sundays. And it rents out for $15,000 a day. But God, through His grace and provision, has caused the church now to purchase that building, and now it's a full-time church. So, fantastic. This amazing building. So, I post a picture on, on uh, um, Instagram and Facebook, and I said, look at the, I said, this is the most beautiful building, church building I've ever seen. And somebody writes a comment and said, I'm so thankful that God doesn't dwell in buildings. Now, I know what I wanted my response to be, because... When we were there, it was minus 27. And I was thinking, man, I know God doesn't dwell in buildings, but I'm sure happy He dwells in it today because it's freezing outside. <laughs> I do not want to be outside in minus 27. I'm thankful for this building. I am not hung up with the beauty of a building. I know a building is just a thing. It's how we steward it, right? I totally get that. So I've been impacted by church buildings also. Because they've been stewarded well. They're advancing God's kingdom. The people in the building, the people here, the people that's been in my life when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, up to 30, the, the impact that they had in my life, the people in the building serving God changed my life. The church is awesome. You know what, it's, it's there where I learned the Bible, it's where I learned to worship, because you know, you, you, when you start, you're like, how do I worship? You know, and then you kind of look at the guy next to you, and you see he's at level two, because his hand's there. <laughs> right, there's like, and you go, okay, so I'm level one, advance, right? And then eventually, you see, we, last week we were in Red Deer. We were, um, I was preaching there at Joel's church. It was such a privilege to be there. 
and was preaching a message specifically to men. And what I noticed that the Sunday morning during the worship service, there was a gentleman in the front, um, an older gentleman, um, probably uh, about um, Simon's age. Um, and, but you know what I loved about Simon? Like your beard just shows wisdom and maturity. What I loved about him was he was leading the other men in the congregation with his worship. Not on stage with a microphone. Down there, I could see this man is abandoned in his love for God. I've been taught how to worship in church. It was in church where, where um, I felt accepted because we know this is a place of imperfections. We're not looking for the sinless in here. We're looking for those who are willing to say, I'm going to work through all these things that I'm struggling with. It's where I discovered my purpose. It's where I grew in my faith. The church changed my life. Now, I do want to add a footnote here. Not all bad experiences that people have in church are the fault of the churches. I just want to, be, want to say that also. It could be an individual who is very reluctant and unrepentant and doesn't want to change or become what God has called them to be. So they blame the people in the church for their resistance to change into the image of who Christ is. And you might know this, maybe not, but opinions are not facts. Now, we're looking in the book of Acts chapter 2, where it's pretty, pretty awesome church, pretty exciting church. doesn't say perfect. It's an exciting church to be part of. I think it must have been, uh, man, I think the atmosphere and the, just the, there must have been like a tangibility, uh, almost like in the air, like Phil Collins dedicated the song to the church of Athens. Um, so, but it had its issues and its problems as well. But at this stage, the first church, the very beginning of the, this is the very beginning of the church of Christ. It's pretty amazing. It's exciting. It's a place where sinners became saints. Love that. It's a place where saints grew in their faith so that they can walk in God's kingdom every single day of their life. Like they're just walking around as Christ-like followers. I love that. It's a place where they can impact their community. So it's a church that, that the, the church had a great impact. We are to be that church. Life church. The vision that God gave me for, for this church and for the season that we're entering into is we are to have a greater impact. We are to be the church in the book of Acts. Not saying perfect because we have many imperfections in this place. There are many things we can complain about. But we are to have a greater impact than what we are having right now. What I love about Life Church and what I love about our leadership and the people who's in ministry here is they are not satisfied with the status quo. They're not satisfied with, let's just do what we are doing. There is a heart's desire for us to advance God's kingdom and to do more. To reach more, to love more. Now, over the time, again, when we were away, we visited lots of churches. And one thing that I found very distinct about the churches, I, I want to put churches in one or two places. 
the one area is a church where they are happy with the way things are. Now, let's just keep doing things the way things are. We're going to maintain what we've got. And then we visited churches that are so discontent, even though they are reaching thousands of people, they are not satisfied with the thousands. They want to reach more than just the thousands that they are reaching. They are discontent with simply saying, okay, we're reaching 10,000. No, 10,000 is not enough. We as a church, we should reach 100,000. No, 100,000 is not enough. We should not be a church that is content. And I believe that this early church, they were discontent with just them being a little circle of 120. Today, we're going to focus on this amazing event when 3,000 people were added to the church. I just want you to try and picture this. In one day, a church of 120, so we today about 140 in here. But in one day, 3,000 were added. Are we ready for it? They had a 2,500% increase in attendance. In one day, Acts chapter 2. Okay, now we're going to get to actually the scripture. Because you need to have a scripture for it to be a biblical teaching. Acts chapter 2, I love the word, from verse 40 to 47. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, this is Peter speaking. Listen, with many other words, he exhorted and he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came over every soul. Soul is where we think. It's where we process. It's, it's, it's not soul spirit. It's soul is where, where we spend our time in our thoughts. Fear came over. The fear there is not, oh, I'm so scared, fear. The fear there is a awareness of the greatness of God. So fear came over their thinking, where they got to the place where they realized God is so great. He is so awesome. And because their minds got to that place where there's nothing that my God can do, Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles because of their awareness of God's greatness. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all and anyone who, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They, they didn't just stay in their house. They went from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Now, now first we need to note, um, it says that the Lord added to the church. It's, the first thing that I want you to understand, if God's going to add people to this church, it's because of a divine work that's taking place. Um, it's, it's not an incredible message. It's not an inspirational message. It's, not a, it's a divine work that happens in people's lives. It is the Holy Spirit. It says in Psalms 23, um, your goodness and mercy will 
follow me. Yeah, we know the, the original word, but it's re- written in Psalm 20, your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, right? Um, but, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? But the original language actually writes it this way, your goodness and mercy will hunt me down. And, and this, the symbolism that's there is, it's like a pack of wolves that's hunting down a prey. So it's the same here. It is God's spirit that is hunting you down. He's constantly behind you. So it's a divine work that leads people to the Lord. God's doing the work. God said, I will build my church. Now, I don't want us to say this is Andreas and Ermery's church because this is not. This is not a church that belongs to us. This is not my blood flowing through life church. It has to be Christ. And if it is ours, we have to repent from it. If we have ownership over this place, we've made a mistake. If it's an executive team that owns a church or a specific guy standing in front, I want to like call out to you and say, repent from it and say, listen, this is Jesus' church. We should be removed at any time and the blood should keep flowing. It's not our church. It's his church. It's his idea. He's the one. He says he is actively building his church. Jesus was God's answer to sin. And after that, the church is God's answer to the world. This is his church. He goes on. In chapter 5, verse 14, it says, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. So believers were added to the Lord. And then I want you to see. So, so now somebody becomes a Christian. They give their lives to Christ. Now I want you to see what God does. I want you to see God's plan. It says, And the Lord... Added them where? Daily where? To the church. Didn't add them anywhere else. If you're listening online, if you, if you are ho- at home and say, you know what, yeah, you know, I don't really have a church. I'm a home church person. Stop that. That's nonsense. There's nothing like that. It is. It's absolute nonsense. I don't know where you heard that. I don't know why you think it's okay just to stay at home and watch. It's not. You're supposed to be part of a body. You're supposed to be functional in this body. We are made up of fingers and hands and feet. And you staying home, you are not only depriving yourself from being blessed by the rest of the body, but you're depriving the body from blessing them. There is no such thing as a stay-at-home church. There is, there's nothing like that. It's, it's an excuse. If you're still at home, stop making excuses. Just stop it. Come back to church, and we love you. We want you to be here. But <laughs> No, I do. I, why do I want you to be in church? Why? It's for your benefit. Why do I want you to give? It's for your benefit. It's God's principles, not mine. So he added to the church. You have been added to this church by him. Not by me and not for me. Not for my purposes. 
but for His. And the purpose for adding you here is not just to become part of a club. It's not just to have the right to say, hey, I attend that, that church. It says they came to Christ, they came to relationship with the Lord, and the Lord added them to the church. Now, there would be no change unless God is the change agent. Nothing can change in our lives unless God is doing it. And this is so key. Ephesians 2, it says, And you, he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you, he has made alive who were dead in trespasses. So he's the one that made you alive. You know why? It's because we cannot change our state when we are dead. No dead person has any influence on anything. We do not get angry at somebody who's in a grave. We don't go to a dead person and talk to a dead person who's being buried and say, hey, get out from there. He can't do anything. He's dead. And it's the same for us in our spiritual walk. Before we came to Christ, you cannot change your state from dead to alive. It has to be a divine work. So you can't claim that you did it yourself. He did it. But now that we are alive, now he says, okay, now you were dead. You were dead. You were dead. D-E-D. <laughs> Very dead. Right? You were dead. And now that you are alive, I want to put you somewhere. Not to make you dead again. I've made you alive for a purpose. And the purpose is, I want you in the church. You're supposed to function within this body. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he can never enter into the kingdom of God. He does the work. So it's a double work. It's a double work. Yes, it's a divine work, but I also want you to hear, and this is where I want to get to today, which I'm not sure I'll get to. Um, it's a divine work. God is doing the work, but God uses us as the instruments to do the divine work. We work together with him. Peter said to them, that's the human agent, Peter, the apostle. I can make, make it, uh, Olga said to them, I can say that um, um, Dan said to them, Barb said to them, um, Eddie said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. God's going to use people like you and me to change and impact the lives of people who he's been hunting down. So he wants to use a human agent to do that. So we've, we've discovered that evangelism, um, evangelism, church building, um, what we've got here, and, and when we see God reaching people, it's a cooperation between God and people. It's a cooperation between heaven and earth. Evangelism is the intersection between divine transformation and human proclamation. It's where the two of them meet. Divine transformation and human proclamation. They, have, they both have to be there. 
So when a human proclaims the gospel, God takes the truth that he's proclaiming and then God transforms the hearts and people are born again because of the truth that you proclaimed in love. So how is that done? In the Bible, we see in three different ways. Number one, personal evangelism. Personal evangelism is when you just spend time with somebody, you start talking with them. Might be somebody behind you in the grocery line. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm not doing well. Oh, why aren't you doing well? What's going on in your life? Well, you know, you start having a conversation and you end up saying, hey, can I pray for you? Are you open to me like maybe sharing a prayer with you? Are you okay with that? That's one-on-one. Um, I, I was playing golf in Palm Springs um, on a Sunday. Um, yeah, I know. But you know, I knew God was there because I got an albatross on a par five. Um, and that's a miracle. That doesn't just happen. Um, and I was playing, spending time with the guy. Um, I met him at the golf course. I like to play with random people, people I don't know. Like I, I look for three balls, people I've never met before so I can get to know new people. So I got to spend time with this one person. He's from Vancouver, actually. He's in his 70s. Um, and, and I played with him three times, three different occasions. And every time I got to personally evangelize him. Right? When he said, so I know he might be listening and watching now, but he, and I'll hold him accountable. Uh, he said that when he comes back from his um, Palm Springs vacation, he's going to come to church. But it was through one-on-one personal evangelism. Now, we also have... Big mass evangelist organization. So mass events. So there's personal evangelism. This is how God wants to bring the crossroads between human intervention and divine transformation. One-on-one with somebody. Then also mass evangelism. Mass evangelism is where I got saved. Large crowd. Preachers, speaking, spokesmen, evangelists, speaking to the crowd. God's spirit is there and he's moving. In, the, in that group of people, and lives are transformed. We know there are fantastic evangelists. Billy Graham, um, uh, who else? Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Charles Finley, D.L. Mooley. Uh, there are amazing evangelists across the world that are impacting and changing people's lives. So there's personal evangelism, mass evangelism. And this is the one that I want to focus on, the last one. It's called the local church evangelism. Local church evangelism is when you have a church service and there's a church service and God is there and, he, and, and the pastor is preaching or teaching from the word. And during the word, we as people who gather together, we are edified and we are encouraged and we are built up and we are matured and we grow in our faith. And then what happens is there's an opportunity for people who have not said yes to Jesus yet to say yes to the Lord because they were invited. That's the real thought behind the text of Acts 2, behind the early church. It was 120 people that spilled into the streets. They're meeting for church. They were gathering in the upper room. It's just 120 of them. And then the Holy Spirit comes in. Now, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you already. So we have that. Holy Spirit comes in and there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind and people in Jerusalem, they hear the noise and all of them spill into the streets um, and into the temple area and evangelism happens. So I'm going to take that to say that I think every congregation on the face of the earth should be a worshiping community and a witnessing community.
We should not just be a worshiping community. We should be a worshiping community and a witnessing community. Our worship should lead to witness. Our witness should lead to worship. Our worship should lead to witness. Our witness should lead to worship. Repeat. Our worship should lead to witness. I can no longer keep quiet about the change that's happened in me. We should have a greater impact. Life Church, we should have a greater impact. And the greater impact's not going to come because we have a greater message from the pulpit or greater worship. Let's add three more backing vocalists and another electric guitar. The greater impact's going to happen when every person that sits here, that attends here, says that I have a responsibility to build the church. I have a responsibility to testify about what God has done in my life. So how do we do that? How do we do that? We do that by something that's called an invitation. Now, some of you are fantastic with this. I know there are people that are so, so amazing at being evangelists. They just invite people wherever they go. They don't know anybody from anywhere. Just spoke to Garnet. Garnet invited somebody again this morning. Some people invite people. They, they have this, this invitation. But that should really be every single one of us. You should not be content with your friends and family members going to hell. You should not. And listen, hell is real. It's not a mystery. It's real. We should not be happy with the fact that, or think somebody else should, we should stop with our excuses. So we have to invite people. Hey, you want to come to church with me this weekend? No, I don't go to church. I don't like that organized stuff. Okay. When you see them again, hey, you want to come to church with me on Sunday? No, I don't like church. Oh, okay. Next time, hey, you, you want to go to church on Sunday? We've got breakfast. Uh, yeah, I like breakfast. Yeah, well, they can't come for breakfast. And you keep asking. You keep asking. Uh, church, uh, this, is like, this, is, this is such a thing on my heart. Honestly, these seats should not be empty. We should not be running one service. We should be running multiple services on a weekend. The gospel is good news. It's changed your life. It's impacted your life. But we, we've become so complacent by saying, you know what, I'm going to attend on Sunday, and that's my thing. I'm good. That is not. When, when God added the believers to the church, it was for the purpose that the church should advance the kingdom. And my plea, church, life church, this season that we're going into, we, we must have a greater impact. This is not the time to back down. This is not the time to disappear into the shadows, become a shadow church. This is not the time for us to, to be scared of, of even being questioned about our faith. We should be so grounded in understanding that the Word is our guideline. And the guidelines of God's instructions, they work in our lives because we've tasted it and we've seen it. This should be the time where we shout Jesus from the mountains like Mark said this morning in our prayer. This should be the time where we shout Jesus from the mountains. We should shout Jesus in the streets. I'm just going to use the lyrics. We should shout Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family. I plead His holy name, Jesus. 
you have to become passionate about your church. Rephrase. His church. Become passionate about His church. Not because we're perfect. Because we are not. But because it's His plan. Now, I want to tell you, every Sunday, we will do our best to present God as loving and caring and gracious and merciful and kind and open arms and ready to receive anybody. We will do our best to have our worship that it's not distracting that people can enter in. And I want to ask you to do your best that when you are here in worship, that you are forgetting about the people next to you and behind you and you are simply adoring God. We will do our best in all of that. But we cannot fill these chairs. You can. And not so that we can say we run multiple services. But this is God's plan for the world. This is His plan. And we either go, God, I'm in on your plan. Or we're playing church. And I can tell you one thing that we've, we've made. We are done playing church. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. So over the next two weeks, together with today, we're going to continue on to say what are we going to do as a church, as a church, to advance God's kingdom. And I really hope that, that if, if, if you are here today, that you go, I'm going to be part of that. And you're going to start inviting people. You're going to start inviting people and inviting people. And invite. Why? Because God's kingdom has to advance. It has to. We will not retreat into the shadows. We refuse. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth and that we can stand on it and we can depend on it and that it is um, stable and it is our foundation. And Father, we want to stop making excuses for playing church and we want to become the church that you've called us to be. We can be that church that a hundred years from now, they point to and say, that church changed lives. Not just, oh, they sang great songs on Sunday. But they changed lives. Like my life was changed when I attended your church, Father. I know that other lives can be changed when they attend this one. So, Father, I want to pray for every person that's here. And I, will, I want to pray that, Holy Spirit, that you become that, that voice that reminds them every single day. Have you asked somebody to join you? Have you asked the question? Have you done something to advance my kingdom? So I want to pray for boldness to stir up in this church and courage and words of wisdom and knowledge and insight on how to approach people. Not to walk around with machine guns shooting people down um, with our words, but to be sensitive and wise and to speak the right words at the right time so that we can influence people so that they are willing to discover the love that you have for them. We love you and we love serving you and it's a privilege to be here. You added us to this body. So Father, I pray that you will remind us of our responsibility and our accountability because this church needs to be a greater church. I pray your blessing over every home and every family, over our children, over our loved ones. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now, um, after Easter, 
the day after Easter. We are starting with something which many churches start in the beginning of the year. They start um, in January. It's called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. Uh, we're going to start the day after Easter, which is April the 11th. We are starting with 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. But our 21 days of prayer and fasting is not so that we can keep quiet and, and just listen to what God is telling us for this year. Ours are going to be targeted towards reaching people who are lost. We are going to be focused specifically on praying for loved ones that we know that don't know God and they should. Um, and we will give you guidance and instructions on exactly how we're going to do this together as a church. But I already want you to start preparing your heart. We will no longer be an inactive church. God gave us a word for the last three years. It was get the body healthy. And we've done that. Now God has given us a mandate to have a greater impact outside. So we're going to move from being in here to out there. And we will be a greater impact church. We will be. So start preparing your hearts, asking God, God, who can I pray for? Who can I fast for? And don't think you have to fast for 21 days with no food. Um, we'll, we'll give you instruction on how we're going to do it. Um, it will be on a Wednesday. We as a church will fast on a Wednesday together. And we'll give you instructions on exactly how we're going to proceed together as a body moving forward. But we have to become a body of impact. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church Audio Podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.